Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Suave. Been in my back for a while, I'm invincible Story of a young boss, grinding shit critical Calling on my bros one time, cause you special I had some hood dreams of right rounds for my mentor Every target that I shoot is on point like a pencil Different road change relationships, I'm so sorry Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say hardly now- Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting this season Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA and more You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Alrighty, guys, we are back with another episode of the What's in Your Bag podcast presented by Bet Online. My name is Andrew Robinson, and today I'm joined by my co-host Tank Will. Tank, what up, baby? What up, baby? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, before we introduce our guest, man, because we got a big time guest today, man, somebody who I'm super, super excited to you know, introduce to you guys. We gotta get some business out the way first. As always, make sure you guys are streaming my guy Pull Up Taste Music. That was him on the intro. It's going to be him again on the outro. One of the hottest up-and-coming artists out of the DMV. Make sure you guys are streaming his music, man. Definitely my guy's up-and-coming. and uh, Definitely got an album on the way as well, man. So stay tuned for that. Also, make sure you guys are liking this podcast, subscribing to this podcast, giving us a five-star rating. It goes a long way. If you're watching this on YouTube, stop what you're doing right now. Go ahead and click that subscribe button. I'm on y'all last. Do it right now. You know what I'm saying? Subscribe. Make sure y'all give us a like, thumbs up. You know what I'm saying? We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, man, it goes a long way. But without do, man, now we got all the business out of the way. I definitely want to introduce to you guys our guest, man. This is somebody who, man, we've we been trying to get this done for probably the last two or three months, man. But you know, when people got real motion, you know what I'm saying? When they're doing great things, man, they're busy. You know what I'm saying? So we had to kind of, you know, wait on greatness, man. This is somebody who's doing some amazing work in the fashion space uh somebody who i think a lot of us can learn from no matter if you're a hooper no matter if you're a, a you know a stylist a fashion designer obviously um anybody who's a creative mind can learn from this guy um he's a good friend of mine uh my guy mamadou ba from said bone mamadou man what's up my guy thank you for joining us so i'm glad to have i'm glad to be here actually thank you guys for having me yeah no doubt, no doubt, man. I definitely got to give a shout out to my guy, Hami. Uh, if you guys watched Hami's episode, which I know you guys did, uh, this was the man, the myth, the legend that Hami, you know, recommended mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the show, man. So obviously, you know, when somebody like that, you know, gives you a recommendation, man, you got to follow through with it. And like I said, we're super honored to have you on the platform today. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be able to learn a lot, man. So let's get, let's go ahead and get right into it, man. Um, I was like I said, you you know, before we get to the whole, you know, sit bone and you know, mm-hmm. the mama do who you are today, the fashion week stuff, man. I want to kind of take it all the way back, you know, to the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, you were born in Guinea, West Africa. Um, sure. you know, born and raised in Detroit. Talk to me about your upbringing, man. Talk to me about just, you know, being born in Africa, you know, moving to Detroit, like, you know, 
what first inspired you to kind of get into fashion and just talking about them early days man i mean so i was born in guinea in 94 and i think like four years later in 98 my mom moved to baltimore she lived there for like three months with her two sisters they were trying to figure out okay how are we going to get our like kids to america type situation you know because they moved there on some refugee shit so i stayed with my grandmother for like another four years and in 2002 my mom like figured out all the paperwork to move me to detroit so she moved there with her two sisters they opened up like a hair braiding salon and honestly it was kind of rough living but you didn't really see that as a kid because you're just like okay i'm eating i'm messing around with friends and like you know going to school so like you don't see that you're living in a two-bedroom apartment with like eight different people you know her and her sisters my two cousins so it's like okay i'm taking care of she's doing what she has to do but eventually as you get older you're like okay the situation is not really proper so you got to figure out how to give back to your mom you know and in middle school like I was very much so into fashion. I got into it by way of sneakers, like shout out to my older cousin, Moss, who's from Senegal. And he introduced me to Jordans. I was like, okay, if you want to get fly and like stuff like that, you need to be wearing like Jordan fives. And then I saw pictures of Jordan sixes and that was like my favorite shoe of all time. So Jordan sixes and 18s is like what opened up the realm of fashion for me, you know? And also by way of music. So if you're listening to like Lupe Fiasco, Pharrell, Kanye West, Jay-Z, and like all those dudes, you're going to learn about different brands and like go on Hypebeast, Complex, and Google all that stuff, you know? It's kind of like self-taught because I didn't, I'm an only child. So I was literally learning from like people around me and my older cousin, Moss, who introduced me to everything. Yeah. So like just sort of building off of that, like, did you feel like, there was sort of like any pressures for you because you were essentially like first generation like in America like did you feel like there were like a lot of those pressures when you were starting to grow up in Detroit like were you just sort of like navigating and then you just sort of realized like at some point like this is probably like a little heavier on me um I mean the only pressure I really realized was just of course like coming from an African household like school is priority like you have to have your grades and you have to figure out, okay, what exactly do you want to do with this degree that you're going to get in college and like stuff like that. But as far as in the creative space, no one in my family is like really creative. You know, I just opened that lane up for myself. So I just treated that as like my outlet to kind of escape that reality that I was living just to create my own universe to like help my family out type situation, you know? Yeah. So I didn't really see it as pressure. I was just like, okay, I'm going to have fun with what I actually want to do with my life, you know? sure for sure i think um you know as three black folks on this podcast we can say this for sure um but even furthermore i mean african culture is something that if you look at the rest of the world right a bunch of people you know steal from african culture you know whether it's in the music you know culturally food like fashion like everything can be traced you know back to africa um for you like how do you think just, you know, being born in Africa and just, you know, spending the first eight years of your life there has kind of played a role in who you've become today? Um, I mean, so even like I said, when I first moved to America, I kind of didn't really realize the juxtapositions or differences that comes from being from Africa and Detroit. Because when you move here as a child, you're like, oh, everything's the same. Like you're seeing building structures that you saw back home, but it's really not. So when you go back there as, as like, let's say a high schooler, you're like, oh shit, okay, we have to shower with a bucket or like, we have to actually source our foods and like figure out how to buy, buy, buy way of living, you know? 
like here in America, I feel like we have it very, very good and we're very spoiled in a way because there are like people are struggling to make $5 to get a meal for the whole family. So it's like figuring out balance of like being humble and just kind to everyone because like not everyone has it easy in life, you know? Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. No, for sure, for sure. (laughs) No, I was just going to say like, do you feel like that was maybe like the biggest culture shock once you finally got into America? It was like, oh, this is probably like a little bit more, I guess like a little bit more like easier to navigate in that sense? Or did yeah. you feel like that was the biggest shock sort of coming into here? Um, I mean, yeah, I feel like it is easier to navigate here because you have way more opportunity in America, in America, you know? Like back home, it's either you're working in the fields or like, literally just trying to figure out how to navigate life every day when you don't really have a true passion of what you want to do because your life is already set you know like here you have different fields of like okay if you want to be in creative if you want to be a doctor if you want to be a lawyer like you actually have that landscape to actually make those dreams happen you know and that's why i'm taking full advantage of what i want to do with my life right so you mentioned kind of you know growing up and you know having your i think um can't remember if you're your, your cousin. Uh, I think that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordan seeing the you know the the Sixers being favorite shooting stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so my question more so was like, do you remember the first time where you were like, damn, like I want to be a designer? You know what I'm saying? Right, not like kind of the fashion. Oh, I like this mm-hmm. fashion. But like, you remember the first moment you were like, yo, like, yeah, I want to own brand and like make my own shit. Like, and talk to us about you know that moment, kind of what inspired that moment. Um, and just that first thought of like, yo, I want to really go into this, you know, creative space and be, you know, be my own designer. Okay. So there was like two phases of that. Right. So in like sophomore year of high school was when I really like dived into the fashion space, but I was also playing basketball when I got to high school. So it was like basketball was priority before anything else, you know, because you're in gym class every day, you're playing after school, you're on the team and like running around with AU. So it's like, okay, I want to go to the NBA. But then as you get older and you go to college, you're like, oh, shit, I'm actually not good enough to do that. So I'm going to fall back with my second option and get into design. So I've always been into it, but I really, like, dived into design when I really tore my ACL. In 2016, I was like, okay, I have no other option, so I'm just going to fully commit to the aspect of design and just make it by way of competitive basketball in a way, you know? Okay, I got you. I got you. And that was when you were in college? Yeah, yeah. Yep. In 2016, when I really like committed into like okay I'm a true designer now and I'm just gonna figure out how to navigate this space. Building off that, um, building off that like when you say like all right you were in college and you, that that's when you first decided to kind of be a designer. Was it something that were you already kind of you know building your own stuff before oh, that yeah. or yeah. was it kind of yeah. like a yeah, yeah. so to talk, talk to us about kind of like the I guess from a creative standpoint what was the moment where you kind of took that switch to where you were like all right bet like. Yeah, like, you know, I, I see what y'all got, got going on where it's like Jordan or where maybe we weren't other brands. Um, but from a creative perspective, kind of where you were like, all right, nah, like, I got my own swag, I'm going to throw on to it. Yeah, so even like, what is it? I would go back to high school, right? And like 2012, 2011 time, my friend Nico, who's still one of my closest friends to this day, he started a brand called High Five and he started it with like a couple other brands. I was like, oh shit, that's actually cool. I didn't know you can actually like create t-shirts, you know? At one point, like, of course you love garments, but you never thought about, okay, how are they constructed? So I'm seeting him like go to the print shop and get it actually screen printed. I'm like, oh man, that's really, really tight. So I, after high school, started a brand called Reveal with like two other friends, James and Charles. And 
we put out maybe like two sweatshirts, but didn't really like know how to like scale a business. And of course we lived two different lives. Like I was living in Northern Michigan, they were still in Detroit. So we didn't really have time to like communicate like that. We were all students, you know, trying to get these grades right. right? So we dropped the brand. And then after I got hurt, it really like put me in a dark state mentally because all I cared about was playing basketball. I was like, okay, I'm gonna figure out a different way to like execute that. So I started Sibon, but it wasn't really Sibon until I like scaled the universe that I wanted to like really create, you know? So being in that dark state, it put me in like, okay, I wanna get back to the positive aspects and like, how can I get back to the world type situation, you know? So how can I inspire a next kid to not like go through what I'm going through and just like figure out how to navigate their space. So I created it as Sibon to like spark positive energy into the world, you know? Just to inspire that kid, okay, you don't have to be an engineer to be cool. Like you don't have to be a lawyer. You can figure out different aspects to like uplift your life, you know? So I think that's a perfect segue. Like, so you're talking about Sibon, you know, obviously Sibon is French for it's good. Yeah. Uh, Launched that in 2018, right? If I remember, if I remember yeah, yeah. correctly. So, okay, so when I, 2018, yeah. Bone. And I'm, you kind of gave, you know, a little bit of the backstory just now, but kind of going a little bit deeper into just like Sebon being born, right? Like talk to me about, about that that process as far as like, you know, one, the obviously you just mentioned kind of, you know, giving inspiration to, to, to the kid as far as, you know, that, that, that the word. That. But talk to me a little bit just about, you know, how the name came together, the brand came together. And then that first, like, all right, bet. We're about to drop this merch under Sebon. Like, talk to me about just, you know, bringing that to life. I mean, bringing that to life was more so like, okay, so even before I started the brand, I would always tell people like, yo, let me design for you. Let me design for you. And they're like, uh, where's your portfolio? And I didn't really have one. <laughs> and so I just had a sketchbook that I would like just show around and be like, okay, it's cool, but it's like nothing serious. You know, you, you didn't put anything out. And my good friend Julian always told me, like, yo, if you have good ideas, you have to put it out into the world or else no one's ever going to see it. You can't just keep your work locked up, you know? So started it that way, but it was kind of like a therapeutic thing because at one point I wasn't really one for therapy and, like, giving out my feelings. But this Simon universe that we're creating is all about, like, positive energy, as I said. So we started off with, like, two screen-printed T-shirts. Didn't really know how to, like, scale that so we designed for like a whole year straight so all of 2017 was just cooking up like 200 designs and figuring out okay like what's going to be the one that's actually gonna create a stamp for us to like keep this elevating you know so we put out a black t-shirt and then a white t-shirt we made 600 of them gave out like 500 and saved 100 to keep to sell and we only sold like five of them but we launched it on my birthday because i treated that as like a rebirth of myself leading into my new life of not playing basketball anymore and truly being a designer you know yeah so scaling it that way and just kept it pushing like we launched its shirts didn't sell much and then two weeks later we had a pop-up that 500 people showed up to so like, okay we have energy to build off of and just kept it going that way you know when it comes to like the brand it's sort of like a two-part question but like you spoke early on inspiration this is just sort of going to go back to like Detroit but when you yeah. started to sort of create your brand, being someone who was from Detroit, like sort of like, was there any inspiration that you drew from the city? And like, how was that? Just because it's sort of a thing of like, we know Detroit is sort of like blue collar city. And then here you are like with the brand, like were there any inspirations that you sort of drew from the city of Detroit? And then okay. like, how did like sort of like your family and friends really perceive once you get into 
design of being someone who was from such a blue collar city. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way I see Detroit is like it's a hustling city, blue collar, as you said, and everyone, like you said, there's not really like many opportunities over there. So you have to like navigate and figure out how to get it on your own, you know? Like no one's just gonna hand you out, okay, here's a million dollars, go do what you have to do. So <laughs> that was my way of like navigating that space. And even like this past collection that we just put out, that was fully inspired by like Detroit and that storytelling. And we titled it like industrial dialogue just because like it's the balance of coming from West Africa and my journey to Detroit because I'm seeing my family work hard. I'm seeing myself work hard and I want to see the younger kids work hard as well just to like navigate their spaces and get through that. But yeah, there's bits of my personal life tied into it, but also Detroit and West African influences all throughout the brand. That's what's up. Um, I got to spin the block on this real quick because I feel like you said something that was super uh, surprising, super, I think, super important, you know, for, for the viewers. And, you know, you mentioned the first hundred shirts that you made, you only sold five of them. Yeah. And, you know, then you throw a, a pop-up shop and you got 500 people there, you know, two weeks later. Yeah. And then you look at where you are now, right? And you have, you know, one of the hottest brands, you know, up and coming, you know, in, in the entire world. So it's kind of a two-part question. The first part of the question is, number one, when you first launched, you know, those 100 shirts and, and you only sold five, like, was there a moment where you were like, damn, like, five shirts? Like, damn, yeah. like, are we doing something wrong? You know what I'm saying? Like, um, so that's the first part of the question. I'll, I'll ask that first, and then I'll ask the, the, the second one after. But what was that mo- initial reaction like? I was actually... Hey, hey, like, just out of curiosity, like, did you notify people who bought those shirts? Was it, like, oh, family and friends? Or was it just... <laughs> <laughs> like I still remember them to this day like those five people they actually showed love but even to that standpoint yes I was very defeated I was like damn like only five shirts and we literally printed 600 of them so I was thinking okay these 100 I'm gonna make my money back because I seeded promo you know but people don't really care about that it's like you you have to build your community aspect and like at that time I felt like the digital community wasn't really a thing like everyone just cared about like, okay, you throw a party or you throw a pop-up and bring people out type situation, you know? Okay, okay. So I think that's a perfect segue to the second part of that question was, mm-hmm. what what did you guys do in that two weeks to turn those five shirts into 500 people to actually come out to a pop-up? Like, you know what okay. I'm saying? How did you kind of actually get the groundwork to kind of go out there and market the product to get 500 people to pop out and, and, and show love to, the, to, to, to your brand? Okay, so like I knew I had a lot of people that rock with me, but I didn't know to what scale. So after that uh, initial launch, so even before I launched, I will always like hit up my dude Luke at Bristol Studios and he would just give me every advice like, yo, go to this fabric shop, go to this screen printing place, like you need to work with them, you know? And I told him like, yo, bro, I only sold five shirts, like what can I do? He's like, oh shit, we got this space downtown that we're using and we have it for like six months. So if you want to do something there, just let me know, you know? So we did a collaboration. We did a t-shirt and a hoodie, scaled it out that way, and then took the rest of the 95 shirts that I still had remaining, put it in the space. He invited all his homies. I invited all my homies, and we blew it out like the whole night. Yeah. That's lit. That was kind of like our coming out party in a way. It's like, okay, Saban's here now. What are you going to do with it, you know? That's right. You're speaking like a lot on like the t-shirts and the hoodies, but like I want to know about the tax. Like I want to know about the tax pens and like how oh, that took the brand to the next level. Cause that's what 
every time I see the brand, like I'm thinking about the tack pants. Like, what did that really do for the brand? Do you feel like that's sort of what catapulted y'all into the yeah, next? No, for sure. I mean, I've always so that was the initial segue that I was going to, but I didn't want to like rush my process because I was putting out like fillers, like, okay, are they gonna actually gonna rock with this screen print t-shirt? Are they gonna rock with these hoodie designs, you know? But then after a while, like it kind of got boring to me because I'm actually like wanting to create full bodies of work. And that's why we're scaling full collections now. But it, even initially, initially back then, we scaled those tactical pants. And I had that design cooked up for like a year, just never like put it out, you know, because I was, like I said, trying to put out fillers. So I, I sketched it up and showed it to like a couple of my friends. I was like, yo, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And one of them being was like, yo, make those. I need it right now. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, okay, you actually want it. So cool. I went downtown, sourced all the fabrics, made it, and was like, okay, here, what do you think? And he ended up wearing it. A lot of people showed love after that. And that was like our piece that took us to the next level. Yeah. So we we ran that pan for a cool like two years. And that financing from that supported everything else. So do you like remember who was like the first like big name person who like really put the tats on? Like like, do you remember, like, the mailing address whenever you were like, oh, shit? Oh, yeah. Or was it just, like, you seen, like, a picture, like, on Instagram? Or how was that? Uh, so the first person was Shed. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, he's been supporting the brand from the beginning, beginning. Like, he put them on, and then eventually, like, that led to, like, other people, other players, like, starting to buy the product and just scale it that way, you know? But, so, like, dang, I feel like, I feel like this – Last two weeks, man, me and my guy tanked me on a, a roll because I feel like we, we'll, we'll be talking and I'll have questions and next question, but the guests would just say something and they'll lead me right into my next question. You know what I'm saying? So the synergy is just perfect. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm loving it. Um, so one of the most important things when it comes to building a clothing brand is like it's the marketing aspect. And like mm-hmm. you said, man, getting your product on, you know, celebrities, athletes, or notable people who can kind of get people to see it and just, you know, get that right place or, you know, Things like you, you know, like wearing the kind of setting off the brand. Um, you know, I mentioned, you know, I know you talk about it on your Leafage podcast, but like, you know, how were you able to kind of cultivate a relationship to where it was like, all right, bet, bro, like you're trying to wear these joints and you know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, like you said, he, he was showing love, but like, even beyond Shay, right? Like, how yeah. how were you able to get your product to people in places to where it could be seen and where you can kind of get that, get the ball rolling uh, with the brand? I mean, honestly, all those relationships just came about naturally. Like, so I worked at round two and everyone would come in to buy sneakers, right? So basically I was like clienteling. So whenever they needed like shoes or you couldn't have them there, then I would source for them. You get me? And most of them be like, yo, like, I know you don't want to work here forever. Like, what do you want to do with your life? <laughs> oh, I'm actually working on this brand right now, but just give me some time and I'll like show you later. So that's why I made those 500 shirts, you know, just so I can like, okay, I'm seeing how like Stussy and like Supreme and like all these other brands like got lit. They got lit off of seating. And I'm learning that from Nike as well, because I did consulting work for Nike. And I, they showed me like the strategic and proper way to seed. Like you, of course, you're not going to give product to everyone because you're never going to make money that way. But it's just figuring out how to like organically make those relationships and not just be like, okay, I'm going to give you this shirt and never talk to you again, you know? So just figuring out how to tell it that way. And me being, like, a basketball guy, and, like, I don't know, I just feel like right now basketball has 
basketball players have the best sense of fashion in a way, honestly, more than rappers to me personally. So that was just com the community that I gravitated towards the most, just because I feel like we have that genuine relationship aspect, you know? Right. Um, I'm going to toss it to, to Tank in a bit, but I want to ask a quick follow-up, man, just because I feel like even me sitting here, man, I'm, I'm learning so much, man, from, from somebody like yourself. And I feel like just listening to the way you speak about how you built the brand and the, the terminology you're using, you're talking about, you know, seeding and, and you were talking about dropping the fillers earlier and stuff like that. Right. Like, yeah, I feel like you, it's, it's clear that you're, you're very, you know, well educated on like how to do this, you know, how to build your brand. And like, you clearly took the right steps in order to, you know, get your brand towards that today. Like, Number one, like, how were you able to, I guess, educate yourself on, like, all right, bet, like, this is, this is what I got to do in order to build my brand. Number two, like, you know, what advice would you give to somebody who's watching this, like, on how they can kind of put themselves in a position to plant the right seeds and, I guess, seek out the knowledge in order to actually do this the right way, man? Because it's more than just starting the brand, you know, posting your clothes on IG yeah. and, you know, having a dope concept, man. There's a lot of people who have dope concepts and dope clothes, yeah. dope ideas, but they don't have the the knowledge behind it to actually do the right things to make it take off. So, you know, for you, who's somebody who's clearly, you're very well educated in this space, like what advice would you give to somebody in, you know, trying to actually take those steps and, and lay the foundation the correct way? I mean, my advice is just dive into it. Like there's really no right way to get a brand off the ground. Like you have to make mistakes as you go and you're going to figure out, okay, that didn't work. How can I pivot on that? And then figure out a different solution, you know? Everything has to be solution-based. But my way of it was like, like I said, I was doing consulting work for Nike and Jordan brand. It was like, I'm learning from them because I actually wanted to work at Nike before I even started the brand. So that was like my main mission because my friend Julian, who I went to college with, he moved to Portland. It was like, okay, yo, I'm up here. I'm trying to figure out how to get a job at Nike. I'm like, oh shit, me too. So I would go to Nike and take information. I took like a hundred informational before I really realized, okay, I don't want to work in the corporate space anymore. You get me? Yep. So learning from them, how they like have the rollout plans and how they work two years ahead and how they have a marketing campaign for everything that they drop. Everything has storytelling to it. So storytelling is key to everything. You know, you're not going to sell a product that has no meaning to it. So it's figuring out all those different attributes to like create your brand formula and then scale it that way. If that makes sense. So yeah, Nike taught me a lot, honestly. <laughs> you talked about uh, right then, like just sort of storytelling, but like to sort of dive deeper into like your story more so, like mm -hmm. with you being someone like who's from Guinea, what does it sort of feel like? And do you feel like there is a burden with you being one of the few people sort of leading this fashion space coming from like your ethnic background? Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like Guinea doesn't get the spotlight that it deserves. So I feel like me and Hami are like the forefront it's like we talk about this all the time we're trying to put as much spotlight on our country as possible you get me so the fact that he's in the nba well i think he's one of the first Ghanaian basketball players to actually be in the nba and me being a designer i'm leading that forefront like i'm the first designer to, from guinea to get a jordan brand collaboration so it's like scaling those to show those kids like okay it's actually possible to make your dreams like come to life you know i think you I no, go ahead. I'm, I'm like, uh, like, like, go ahead, go ahead. What I want to dive is like deeper on the Jordan brand. So go ahead, go ahead. For sure, for sure. I remember being at school with Hami, bro, and like, yeah, bro, like I'm from Guinea. I'm like, dang, bro. Like I feel like being, so I'm from Maryland, you know what I'm saying? So like 
in Maryland, there's also a bunch of Nigerians, like yeah. a bunch of Nigerians. So like I know a bunch of people who you know are Nigerian. I know a bunch of people who are even Cameroonian, you know what I'm saying? But you don't hear about so many folks that are, are from Guinea. So it's crazy that like, you know, just kind of bringing it full circle and just, you know, hearing, hearing um, you know, kind of just that from you, like hearing it from me from I guess from your perspective as well, trying to really, you know, put Guinea on the map and everything. Um I think y'all both definitely uh, are, are doing, you know, doing it, doing y'all justice, man, you know, to you know, shine a positive light on Guinea for sure, man. And I think that, you know, the more people who see you guys, you know, you know, moving and shaking in this space, um, I think we're just going to inspire a lot more people to kind of, you know, get in their bag, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like that underdog mentality, you know, of course, like you have Nigeria, you have Senegal, you have Cameroon, as you said, you have Sudan, all those countries, they have a major spotlight on their country because they've done so much over the years. Yeah. So it's like, of course, it's going to take a lot of time, but eventually I feel like Guinea can be like one of those prominent countries in Africa, you know? Thanks. Just figuring out how to scale it. All right, yeah, I got to, I'm, I'm itching to sort of get back to the full circle moment, like with you working with Nike back. So with you, you work with Nike and then you like the full circle moment where you comes where you have uh designer Jordans. It's a Jordan 35, right? The piece. Yeah. Yeah. Like just what's like was that full circle moment like for you? And then just sort of like what was the inspiration going behind enter the 35s? Because like there's a lot of different colors, there's a lot of different vibes to it, mm-hmm. has a lot of pop to it. Like, what was the big inspiration, especially like with your brand? Cause like your brand also does a lot of times like a lot of monochromatic stuff. Mm-hmm. And then that shoe was definitely sort of like on the flip side of that. So like, what was yeah. the inspiration behind that? And then just overall, how big was that moment for you? I mean, that moment was huge, honestly. Like I'm forever grateful for that moment. But so even when I got approached for that project, it was by way of Instagram because I posted a basketball shoe and we were like running five on five. And a Jordan Brown rep hit me up like, yo, it'd be crazy to see a mama do PE. I'm like, oh shit, what the hell? <laughs> so he's like, yo, I'll email you next week. You just have your ideas ready. So I spent that whole week like thinking, okay, how are we going to make this happen? How are we going to do this? And my logic for everything is like only option, right? Like the only option is to make your dreams reality or like strive after what you're going for, you know? So I was like, okay, how can I bridge the gap in put Guinea on the map type shit by way of Jordan brand, but still juxtapose it with like American storytelling, right? So that's why the colors were very poppy because like doing all the research that I could to like dial in that uh, sneaker, we realized that the Guinea flag was similar in, in color detail as far as like the LA flag, like it's green, yellow, and red. So we tied those two things together and I was like, okay, looking at those similarities, Guinea is on West coast of Africa, LA is also on the West Coast. They're prominent for their beaches. Like everyone loves their beaches on both coasts. And I was like, okay, what's the deeper storytelling as far as the sand? Like sand ties into like a sand clock or like, I forgot what those things are called. Is it a sand clock? Sounds about right. Sounds about right. <laughs> like a sand dollar? Yeah, yeah, like the things where you flip it and the sand goes to like- actually oh, the, um, hourglass. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so the hourglass situation right and that's telling the evolution of time and like time is all you have time is what you need to actually get your ideas off but those telling those similarities of like playing with the sand to actually i don't know if you noticed like the there can i go get the sneaker of course <laughs> <laughs> 
it's a real what's in your bag exclusive right here, man. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna get in depth. Really? No, facts. This is crazy. If y'all listening on uh Apple Podcasts or Spotify right now, y'all may want to head on over to YouTube to get that visual, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like all this situation is like technically sand gradients, right? So this is that hourglass aspect. And actually, this was supposed to be an hourglass filled with black sand, but we just didn't have enough time to actually make it happen. And on the court, we didn't want sand flying around everywhere. So let's say like Luca or someone is playing in the shoe, we don't want them getting hurt. <laughs> so that was legal aspects that we couldn't do that. And the only option aspect here, like I told you, is like only option is all we have. I actually hoop in my shoes, by the way. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> and this pink also is more so telling the storytelling of like, there's a pink lake in Senegal and that's where most of my family lives now. So it's like giving a nod to that because during the summertime, the, the lake is charged up by the sun. So over time it goes from grayscale to a whole pink. Like mm, that's crazy, you know, and then of course you have the cream elements here that ties into the beach, so it's like very beachy and like tonal earth aspects, you know. Yeah, and then we stamped it with the sabon right there, so that's like the approval aspects. <laughs> that's hectic. That that's hard. That's hard. Okay, that's hectic. Like yeah, I right. feel like number one, like. Bro, to have a shoe, like a signature shoe, and you're not in the league is like some GOAT yeah. status, like like super GOAT status, bro. So I think that's amazing. And then obviously, um, you know, you had Nikhil Alexander Walker with him dressed in the garden. I'm going to ask you about that in a second. But um, I want to kind of circle back, man, because I thought like when you talk, I just be having light bulbs go off. Um, and you said that you had a Jordan rep kind of hit you up on Instagram and I can remember earlier in the pod, you talked about, you know, you consulting for Jordan and Nike and stuff like that before. So was this person that hit you up, was it like based off a relationship that you had already had from like the yeah, consulting? Yeah. Like, and like, so think about that, bro. I just want the audience to really like think about this for a second. Like, yeah, bro, so was it didn't come out of nowhere. <laughs> right, you know? like, bro, you, 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 you paid your dues, obviously, by consulting for Nike, consulting for Jordan. And it's like mm-hmm. that relationship paid off and came full circle to where, you know, by you sticking to your grind, showing that, you know, okay, I have an actual brand that I'm building. I'm, I'm, I got something that's, that's special, that's concrete. Somebody else saw value in that and thought like, yo, we're going to give bro a shoe. And all that came based off a relationship that you had, like from, from consulting, you know what I'm saying? So like, I think that just goes to show how important relationships are, bro, to where you go from, you know, consulting for a, a business, and now you have your own shoe that's on the floor at Madison Square Garden, bro. Like, talk to me about that. Number one, um, I guess, how that relationship was able to come full circle for you. And then number two, um, the process in actually getting that shoe to Nikhil uh, for him to wear in the garden on the floor. Yeah, so process was, like I said, I'm all about, like, genuine relationship. And I'm key on being kind to, like, everyone because you never know, like, who someone is or who someone may be tied to, you know, just treat everyone with respect and just go about your business because, okay, eventually like that kindness will pay off somehow, you know? And that was how this situation was like the guy that hit me up. I met him by way of like one of my closest friends who works for the LA team here. And he was like, okay, I actually fuck with this kid mom dude, but I'm just going to watch and see how he progresses over time. And two years later, he hit me up like, okay, now it's time to actually give you product, you know? And getting that shoot, getting that shoot in the kill was more so like 
so the allotment was technically supposed to come like six months before but covid delayed the factory or whatever so by the time they actually came in we were technically onto the 36 we were trying to figure out okay how can we heat this up type situation and so as soon as the allotment came in the kid was like yo i'll play at msg tomorrow like can you get the shoe here so i literally ripped open the boxes found his size and just sent it off fedex like next day delivery type shit and it landed basically almost as he was getting ready to leave the hotel <laughs> yeah that was insane i think we paid like 400 dollars to get that shoe over there <laughs> hey you gotta do what you gotta do man i think i just feel like listening to this is is like, it's so crazy to me, bro, like that, you know, like you said, man, two years later, bro's just watching you for two years. Like, let me see what bro on, you know what I'm saying? And based on the work that you put in into your brand, two years later, a connection was able to pay off, you know, and you were able to have your own, you know, shoe, bro, with Jordan. Like, as a designer, that's just so, I feel like that's so crazy to me, bro. Like, I just, um, it's more so surreal because, like, I got into design and fashion by way of Jordan brand. So the fact that it's like coming in that full circle now that I have my own Jordan, it's like I couldn't ask for anything more. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Man. So like, just like on the sidebar, like based off of that, did you feel like it made it more special that it's only a PE? Or do you sort of wish oh, yeah. like, ah, I wish retail would have got it? No, nah, I mean, just the friends and family aspect, right? You want to give it to the people that truly supported you from the beginning. So it's like, this is going to be the first stage of that. And then hopefully eventually like we can scale like retail, but we're in talks of that right now. But yeah, this first one, I wanted to keep it like as limited as possible, just to show appreciation to my culture and the family. That's tough. Do, do you say this is like, is that like the biggest, like, damn, the brand has made it moment? Or do you still feel like it was another moment when you was like, nah, the brand has really gotten there? Um. I wouldn't say that's like the I made it moment, but that was the like, okay, we actually are gaining the respect that we deserve. We just have to like keep pushing it forward, you know? So what was that I made it moment for the brand, would you say? That first like, damn, like we here type shit. Um, honestly, it was that first Fashion Week show in June that we just did. Talk to us about that. Um, So that was like a what, eight month process to like actually scale that show. So we, come up with the storytelling and then you design all the product and then you like figure out okay which production team is going to actually help me like scale this full massive show right so r.i.p before virgil passed away i was talking to him i'm like yo like eventually i want to move to paris like i'm planning to do that in like three years like how can i make that happen and i'm also planning to do a show in paris this summer like is there any way you can help me out so he told me to hit up one of his guys who's worked on like all the off-white shows um william romeo and they were like, oh, shit, yeah, we actually like your work. We're down to, like, take on your project for the summer. So work with them for the whole six months of, like, figuring out exactly how we wanted to scale the set design and, like, how the models were going to be walking in transition and, like, all that stuff, you know? So, yeah, that was a long time process. But when we got there, we were there for, like, two weeks. And we're supposed to have fittings, do castings and all that stuff. But all the clothes didn't land until the day of the show. <laughs> So we had only seven hours to like prep that whole fashion show. Yeah, that was the most stressful time of my life. I was about to say, what was that like? You you working under pressure right there. Talk to us about that. I mean, so just dealing with customs, like I guess I've never done this before. So we didn't have like the proper paperwork filled out. And since it's like samples, you can't put true value on the pieces. And we ended up putting true value on everything. 
So we had to like retract all that paperwork, send it out. So they held our product in the US for those five days. And after like the fourth day, we're like, yo, what's going on? Why are the clothes still not here? So our stylist friend was on the phone with UPS for like four days straight, 24 hours nonstop, trying to get connected to someone higher and higher just so they can actually release the product. And 24 hours before the show, they released the product. We had 21 boxes, only 20 of them landed in France. One was still in Kentucky. So to release those 20 boxes, that one has to come too because they can't like release an order that's not fully fulfilled, you know? And I was telling them, like, yo, I don't care about that last box. Just give me the rest. Like, <laughs> we're trying to make this happen, you know? And they were like, no, like, if that's just not here, like, you're not going to do your show, blah, blah, blah. It's legal customs or whatever. And at 10 in the morning, that last box came, and we made it happen. <laughs> Jeez, bro. So, so talk to me about, like, you know, Showtime, right? So you said, like, this is kind of like the, your, your I made it moment. Like, as a designer, bro, like, you're in Paris, you put together this whole, you know, fashion show, you know, working with Virgil on that, rest in peace to Virgil. Um, what was that moment like actually as the show was unfolding, right? Like what emotions are going through your body? Like, you know, how, and then kind of after the show when you're like, damn, bro, like I really just did Paris Fashion Week. Like, you know, so talk to me about just that emotion that was that was going through, you know, your, your, your mind at, at, at that time. I mean, it was a lot of emotions, but it was more so figuring out, okay, I went from selling five t-shirts to scaling full fashion week. So it was like a whirlwind of all that happening. And then all my friends being there, like some family members. So it was like a big time moment, but it was also like, okay, what's next? <laughs> because you can't be the brand that just does this one time and never comes back to fashion week again, you know? So literally immediately after that, I was like, okay, now I know we have to start working on fall winter 23. Like we got to start scaling it again, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you have that 15 minutes of like adrenaline type situation and then you got to move on to the next thing. <laughs> you spoke on um, fashion week and like right then you just said like, oh, you don't want to be the one who never comes back to fashion week. You don't have that problem. Like you've been to fashion week a few times. Like, can you give us sort of like an idea of what it's like to go to that many fashion weeks? And do you have like one fashion week that stands out? Like, yeah, we, we killed that. Like, I can't wait to do this fashion week over again next year. Mm -hmm. I mean, so we've only scaled one show. The last time we only had a showroom just because everything was way too last minute to like scale a full proper show. But just looking at it from that standpoint, now I'm learning, okay, how to actually execute a showroom and get bars in like expanding like the retail market of things right but then we also have the luxury of okay we know exactly what to do how to get product there on time how to do the casting so for the next summer one we'll have everything truly dialed in so we won't have any problems so this is learning how to like navigate those spaces and figure out okay how can you have the least amount of problems be most effective as possible you know I feel like um, you could tell you definitely hoop, man, because I feel like the response you gave when you were like, all right, you got that 15 minutes to celebrate and you got to get back to it. It reminds me of what Hoopers say when they want the NBA chip. They're like, all right, man, we're going to celebrate. We're going to enjoy this parade. And then once yeah. the parade over, right back to the gym, working for next year. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I, I could definitely see the parallels there, man. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, I, I, and you kind of spoke on it just you know, briefly just, just now, but I kind of want to, give you the opportunity to expound upon it a little bit more. Um, I mean, man, bro, when you look back at the fact that your first drop, you sell, you sold five shirts, right? Mm -hmm. Then you go, 
you got guys like you know Shea wearing the the tack pants. You got Nikhil wearing the the the, the, the Jordan PEs and MSG, right? You know you got Paris Fashion Week. You know you go on your page now, you see rappers. Gotta shout out by the way, you gotta shout out Shy Glizzy, DMV oh, Five. I nah, see the I see the rocking the brand. You know what I'm saying? Glizzy gang, that's a deep goat right there for sure. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, you got Glizzy, you got Corday, Fresh Montana is one of your stuff, right? Like. Yeah. You just take a moment to sit back and reflect, right, on how far you've come. What comes to mind? You know, like, do you ever surprise yourself? Like, dang, yo. And again, like, you have so much farther to go. You still got, you know, like, like you mentioned, right? But when you look back and like, damn, bro, like, look how far we came. You know, like, do you ever just sit back to reflect on it? You know, and, and when you do, you know, what thoughts come to mind? I mean, I literally think about that, like, every day. <laughs> like, it's more so like, okay, what would I be I, so my thinking is like, okay, if I still lived in Detroit, what would I be doing if I wasn't doing fashion? That's one question I ask myself consistently, right? And then also coming back to that, it's like, damn, okay, I've garnered all these relationships. They actually are my close, close friends now. And okay, how did I even get here? <laughs> you know, that's one thing I still don't understand. But like I said, it just goes back to like me being myself, being a good person, and just balancing that with good energy put out good energy or you're gonna get it back you know so even like shy glizzy i was friends with him before i even launched the brand and gave him a hoodie it was like oh shit okay i actually rock with this but like whatever you do i'm gonna support it you know so even like getting him getting him getting him into that campaign was like just a text away like yo i need you to model this thing really quick i'm doing a collab with one of my little bros and he was like oh yeah i'm down just let me know when you know so just having that luxury is like yeah, I couldn't couldn't have asked for more, honestly. That's big love, yo. That's crazy, man. I think, um, man, bro. I think like just for me, man, hearing your story is is, is super inspiring, bro. Um, and like I want to talk to you about this too because I feel like I'll be remiss, you know, if I didn't mention the fact that like, you know, on this platform, right, you got three African Americans, right, and you talked about already, you know, being from Guinea, right, and you know, you and Hami putting Guinea on the map, you know, but even on like a more broad perspective, man, when you talk about ownership, right? When you talk about, you know, being a CEO, when you talk about, you know, being a creative director like yourself, right? There are not many people who look like us, you know, who have ownership of their own brand, who are designers, right? Um, so for you, right, to to be a black man who has your own brand, who is navigating these spaces, right? Like, um, you know, what advice would you give to the next, you know, African-American person, man, who has a dream, who's trying to, you know, break that, you know, that glass ceiling, man. Cause at the end of the day, you know, if you look at, you know, high fashion, you look at the Louis, the Gucci's, the, the all these brands, man, these are white people, you know what I'm saying? These aren't people who look like us, right? So, you know, for you to be a, a, a African-American, you know, in a position of like, yo, well, actually, technically, I, you just, you African. I don't even know if, you, if African-American is the correct way to describe you, bro, you know what I'm saying? But like, just to be, to be black, like, yeah. And, of, of ownership, right? Like how, you know, I guess what advice would you give to, to the next person that's trying to navigate that space? Cause it's not, it's not easy to break through, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. It's tough, you know? So can you just kind of speak to that a little bit? I mean, my advice is just be patient. Like patience is key to everything. Like you don't want to rush your process and then skip a step that sets you back like 10 steps, you know? So like, don't and also don't compare yourself to other brands because LV took like a hundred years to get to their level, you know. So why shouldn't it take you like twenty 
and like you really grind it out learn the whole process of everything learn how to do your taxes learn how to like actually get your accounting down and like just the full process of actually like how to run a business you know so yeah i would say patience is like the biggest thing don't ever rush your process <laughs> today currently like in this space right now like you know you've you know, you, you've gotten to a point to where, all right, like you're actually, you know, working alongside a lot of these top tier brands. Um, mm -hmm. What's it like for you now, you know, like navigating that space as African-American or as as a black person, we'll say, like, like I mentioned, when you got all these other people who are, like I said, these top tier brands who are, you know, founded and ran by white people, like, I feel like there's still, you know, I don't want to say racism, but there's still like barriers, right? right. When it comes to people sure. trying to like, as, as, as somebody, you know, who, you know, uh, is a minority in this country at the end of the day, like, you know, what is your experience like now, you know, trying to, to, to navigate that space? Do you still find, you know, challenges um, in trying to get certain opportunities or trying to like, you know, I guess break through in some sense? Like, what is that space like now? You know, I'm trying to, to, to navigate that. I mean, the space is still pretty tough, honestly, but like I was even telling myself like end of last year and how we can like scale the brand, but it's just demanding your respect when it comes down to it, you know, because we are the African-American brand or like the African brand, as you would say, and they're not going to give you the same amount of respect as like, not to say, but like a white person who's running his brand, they're going to uplift him and put him in certain publications just because he is the white man running a proper high, high fashion brand, you know? And I don't want to be boxed in that to like the second tier brand just because I'm African-American. I want you to respect me for the work that I actually put out. You get me? So it's just, yeah, to that standpoint of just demanding the proper respect that we deserve. So everyone is playing on that equal playing field, you know? For sure. We sort of, um, we sort of like hinted at some other brands, but when we think about it, it's sort of like Virgil. And then we have like Telfar Clemens and like, we can even go like Dapper Dan. Oh, do we also put Mamadou in the same class? Like, do, do you feel like you go in that same category when we talk about fashion designers? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. right now we're still working up towards that, but eventually I feel like we can be up there. Because even right now, I'm, I'm self-taught, so I didn't go to school for any of this. So I'm literally learning as I go. And of course, like we're competitive. We come from basketball and nature. So you're going to practice every day until you get better, you know? So it's just treating it like that to where you do want to reach that pinnacle of like, being a creative director at LV or like doing what Dapper Dance doing with Gucci and like, you know, just demanding your respect to that standpoint. And then also giving it back to like the next wave that's coming up, you know? So do you sort of feel like when you look at like your Mount Rushmore fashion designers, would you put yourself up there or do you just feel like that's just way too much praise too early? Yes. And if you're and if you feel like you're not up there, then who is up there? Mm. Yeah, that's way too early because I haven't done enough to like really give myself that praise, you know? Like, I'm a realist. I'm not going to say, okay, I'm the best fashion designer of all time because I haven't learned enough yet, you know? But, but I mean, as far as hmm, my Rushmore aspect, you have to put Virgil up there. Um, well. I'll put Raph up there. Yeah, let's 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 break it down for folks who, who might not know Raph. Like for the folks who like who who's Raph? Like break who who is who is Raph? 
So Raph is an amazing designer, white European dude. And I found out about him by way of like his stint at Dior that he had. And I remember he had like eight weeks to design a full couture collection and he scaled it like magnificently, you know? So Raph Simmons, if you don't know who that is, just do your research, figure it out that way. <laughs> Virgil, Raph Simmons, we got two more for the Mount Rushmore. Um, yeah, this is tough. My boy is thinking deeply. <laughs> I just gotta ask if you if you go Ralph, do you also go Rick? Nah, see, like that's too dark for me. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's that's a whole different lane. <laughs> um, Virgil, uh, I'll put Sam in there. Samuel Ross from a cold wall. Okay. Yeah, just because I like his. So I'm about detail and like storytelling and all that stuff, and he has his detail and storytelling down to a fucking T. So put him up there. You got one more. And Hiroki from Visbon. So it's a Japanese brand. What was it? Say one more time. Hiroki from Visbon. Mm, okay. See, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not hip to them. So I gotta yeah, he just put me on. Yeah, facts. So you said he's so you said uh Hiroki? Hiroki, Hiroki. Hiroki. All right. See, I'm out here in Japan right now, so I'm like gotta yeah, <laughs> Go to Tokyo. Drew, about to, <laughs> Drew about to go get the dupes. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. Um, so we, we're gonna get into to some quick hitters in a little bit, but you know, I guess the last kind of question that I have for you, kind of on a on a serious note, is um, when you look at Sebon, right? Like, mm-hmm. so where do you see the brand going? If you look at like our end goal, right? You know, as a designer and creative director, you could say, you know, this is where I want my brand to get to, right? What does that look like? For Sebon? I mean, it's creating a whole universe, right? So it's like you have the design aspect, and then we want to also like have the charity or like philanthropy arm of the brand. So even like creating schools back home in West Africa that ties into design or like anything creative. So they're not just learning, okay, you have to be a lawyer or a doctor or something to be successful, you know? You have a creative outlet to actually get those ideas off. And I don't know, it's just going to tie into all fields like creative. So like you have the philanthropy arm. Eventually I want to turn it into a label because I love music. So tie that in and yeah, just creating a whole system to where like kids can truly like learn how to run a business and expand upon their ideas. Yeah. So it's a lot of different things that we truly want to do. That's dope. That's dope. Um, uh, so I got a couple quick hitters for you, man. Um, the the first one I'm gonna ask you is, uh, I'm sure you probably get this a lot, man. But who are give me a top five best dressed players in the league? Mm, top five, sheesh. Top five, top five, top five. Um, Shea, Nikhil, Jordan Clarkson. Um, bro, this is fast. That's three already. That's already three, yeah. So, they see, the last two is, like, the tough part. 
Um, I like Josh Christopher. Mm, okay, it's different. Yeah, I like Josh Christopher. He's swaggy, though. He's swaggy. I like his style. And it's just like the confidence that comes with never wearing the product. You know, that ties into. Right. Um, so that's four. Yep, four. One more. D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell. Mm. Mm. I'm not mad at that. Yeah. He's a unique swag. I can dig it. I can dig it. Um, all right, so give me your favorite um, Black-owned brands uh, that people maybe that, that, that you fuck with or some brand you think people could, could check out um, so we can show love to some, you know, some other you know, Black creators in this space. Okay. Crenshaw Skate Club ran by my little twin, Toby. Basically, like a 20-year-old kid who goes to Stanford and still balancing a brand, like that's already genius in itself, you know? But nice. he's very dope. Crenshaw Skate Club. Um Barriers, New York is very tight. Barriers is tough. Yeah. The hoodies are crazy. Mad insane. Um was Arrival, my boy from Detroit, Spencer. He's going crazy right now, too. Um, well, I'll give you two more. She's not, well, it's not really a brand, but she's an artist. This chick called Rebecca. I can send you her information, but she creates like music related timeless art pieces. So she did this like Rockefeller chain that literally glows and then she did the g unit piece that spins it's like insane so it's not fashion but it's like art i guess that blends in she's dope um and um dh from detroit who does a you matter this stuff is tight too uh, okay that's tough yeah love it man so if y'all listen to this make sure y'all tap in i'm gonna go ahead and watch this back and Write them names down so I can tap in and show love for sure. Um, give us, give me three tips to somebody who maybe is trying to get more swaggy, but they don't really know where to start, and they might not have you know a crazy bag to spend on no no crazy expensive clothes. So you know, what's some tips to somebody who's trying to get their swag up? Go to the thrift store, of course. Like figure out your direction and lane of what you like, but that's the cheapest way to like get fly and still be clean you know but they go into the thrift store um don't look at other people as inspiration just figure out what you truly yes. love yeah so more so like reading books or like watching movies getting inspirations from that like my biggest inspiration is from 90s to like early 2000s so like that's the era that i live in when it comes to like dressing up i would say and yeah, just be comfortable in your own skin. Like, if you're not wearing the clothes with confidence, I always say, like, don't let the clothes wear you. You wear the clothes. Right. You know? I love it. Um, and I guess if you could look at, you know, who are some of your favorite favorite brands today? Like, or if you had, like, um, some brands that kind of you look to, um, to, I mean, you just kind of said, don't 
uh let others kind of inspire you but like find what you like and stuff like that but if you had to say like some brands that like you know you kind of drew inspiration from or some of your favorite brands like you know what what would they be mm. see even then like i don't try to look i get more some most of my inspirations from like friends and like conversations that we're having or like movies that i'm watching books that i'm reading so if you're looking at other brands and you're gonna take their dna and tie it into your situation it's gonna look like you're copying you know yeah. But I mean, I look to like Off White. I like how he created his his universe and like how he told different stories with each collection. So if you want to pick that, then I like that brand. I love Stone Island just because the way they tie into their detail and everything's like a science project to them. So Stone Island will be another one. And then if I had to pick one more, then I would say Reese Cooper too. Yeah, he's a dude from LA. And same thing. I just like how he like curated his universe for his brand. It's very like eco friendly. He loves like the environment and like all that stuff. So it ties in very well. All right, last quick hitter. Um, this might be hard for you. You know what I'm saying? Because you you you're your own designer. So you, I'm sure you probably love everything that that you put out. Obviously, but if you were to pick your top three favorite set bone pieces, mm. what would they be? Um. Top three sit bone pieces. So actually, like next month, we're gonna be launching our spring summer twenty-three collection. But we have these like gradient pants. The probably the tan and green ones will be my favorite. And of course, the brown tactical pants. <laughs> um, um the Lavenir sweater, so the one that Future was wearing. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah, I've seen it. That was tough. That would be another one. You said five. However many you want to give us, man. However many you want to give us. I, I'm, I'm here for. I'm here for it all. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, and then this varsity jacket that we just put out for fall winter '23. So it had like the welding man on the back, blue collar themed. Yeah, I like that one a lot, just because a lot of detail went into that. And. Five. Mm. Uh, probably this next stuff that we're working on that no one has seen yet. <laughs> yeah, okay. that's, that's gonna be a right there. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned for the drip, man. Um, cool, man. Uh, I'm gonna I'm go ahead and talk to Tank if you got any more questions for you before I get into my my last one for you. Hmm. No, nah, bros. All yours, yo. When he when he was going into the collection, I started going like, "What else is in this collection?" Like he got a job. Like my mind started, my mind started racing in that moment. Yeah, <laughs> uh, facts. All right, that's a bet, man. So, last question we always ask our guests, man. Um, who is one person that you think we should have on the What's in Your Bag podcast? Mm-hmm. But the catch is, whoever we have on, you gotta help us get them on, man. You gotta be in your point guard bag and throw assists. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Um, and this is somebody who, like I said, it could be anybody. So, you know, who who is that person? Mm. Who is that person? They could be in any space, whether it's you know fashion space, you know designer, stylist. They could be obviously a, you know athlete, sports, photographer, yeah. like you know any type of creative. Man, we're we're all for him. My boy Jew, Julian Gaines. Jew working on projects. He's a visual artist who I told you about who lives in Portland. 
he basically, I would say, opened the doors for me to get into that Nike bag and eventually expand into my brand. But as far as like someone that I trust the most with my ideas, it would be him. So I would, would love for you guys to talk to him. Okay, that's a bet. That's a bet. We'll shoot. We'll definitely be in contact for sure. Try to work on that behind the scenes, man. Um, and like I said, man, I'm about to be in LA soon. So definitely looking forward to, to uh, chopping it up, man. Linking up, man. And I'm copping some safe bone drip for sure, for sure. You know what I'm saying? That's that's man. already done. That's already done for sure. Um, and like I said, man, if you ever get that one shot, matter of fact, not if it's gonna happen. When the safe bone, you know, retail Jordan collab jobs, man, I'm definitely gonna throw them on feet for sure. Yeah. Out, out here in Japan, no cap. Yeah. Um, but nah, man, I just want to say this is this has been a super insightful interview, man. Um, as somebody who, um, as an athlete, man, like I, I'm somebody who I like fashion, you know what I'm saying, and I want to try to get into it. And um, but I don't know nearly enough, you know. So I've learned so much just being on this on this platform with you, man. Um. That's one of my favorite things about just having a podcast, man, is being able to draw inspiration for people like yourself, man, who are outside of basketball, man. I think for everybody who's watching this, everybody who's listening to this, man, um, I hope you guys were able to take something from this, man, from the fact that, you know, this Mamalu's whole story, his journey, man, from, you know, starting the brand and selling five shirts, you know what I'm saying, and, and not quitting, doing the pop-up shop, 500 people, and, you know, getting the Paris Fashion Week, man, and just the relationship piece, right? You know, having the person from Jordan come full circle now, you know, to launching the shoe, man. I think that that's super important, man, for people to understand in life, man, that number one, you can't ever quit when it comes to this thing called life, man, when you're building something, man. A lot of times you got to stay at it, man. And 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 even when you don't think people are watching, people oh, are watching. watching. For sure. You know what I'm saying? They're watching you, man. That's something that, that I took from this 100%, man. Um, and also, man, just like I said, how important relationships are, man, where it comes to just even Shay or Nikhil wearing them shoes in MSG, right? Like, those are all relationships that have formed, that have helped you got you know get to this place today, man. So I just want to say thank you to you, man, number one, for coming on and, and talking to us, man, and sharing your story with us. Um, and also, man, like I said, man, I definitely want to give you your flowers, too, as well, bro, because, you know, uh, I don't take it lightly, man, to, to be able to see African-American people or Alex people or black people, however you want to be defined, uh, just just in this space, man, they are doing great things, um, moving and shaking, man. Like I said, you you do great work, man. And like I said, it's definitely been an honor to have you on this platform, man. And uh, to be able to say, man, that we were one of the first people to get you on the pod. Cause I already know five to 10 years later, you feel me? You gonna be on some crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, bro. Tap in. We had bro in the joint ten, five years ago, man. Y'all just go back and, and go. Five, five years back. later, we'll run it back again with new stories. Big fact, yeah. man. Bro, you just man. can't like, like, bro. I'm telling you, like, in five years from now, bro, you just can't like DM Virgil and be like, yo, hop on the pod, like, type vibe, bro. But no, nah, I definitely <laughs> appreciate it, man, because that art is definitely like intimate. Like, I don't think people always understand. Like, sometimes it's a little like harder for like art for artists to sort of like push that out into the world, especially like it's so intimate to you and it means so much and it's telling so much of your story, man. So I really just appreciate what you're doing in the space, man. So it's big, for I, real. I appreciate you guys even having me on. I'm sorry it took so long, but like, you know, scheduling and all that stuff while you're really working is tough. Perfect timing, yeah. No, I appreciate uh, like you. Said, no doubt, no doubt, man. Like I said, man, this it's not it's no problem at all. Like I said, when you when you're doing great things, man, sometimes you gotta, you know, gotta knock that stuff out first, man. So 
definitely want to give you your flowers. And like I said, man, we're going to run this back for sure. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Part two. Man. So make sure y'all all stay tuned. Make sure you guys are following uh, Mama Do. Make sure you guys are following Seth Bone on all, on all platforms. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you an opportunity to just plug your social platforms, websites, so everybody can kind of tap in if they're not, not following you already. Yes, sir. So the Instagram for Sabon is C-E-S-T-B-O-N. And then personal is I-T-S Mamadou. And then the website is Sabon.online. So. Sir. So make sure y'all go ahead and tap in, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, get your merch. You feel me? I'm going to definitely be copying my merch for sure. Um, and like I said, man, this has been a great episode, great conversation. This has been another episode of the What's In Your Bag podcast presented by Bet Online. Again, sure. make sure you guys are liking this podcast, subscribing to this podcast. Give us a five-star rating. If you sat through this whole interview, have subscribed yet, go ahead and do that now. You know what I'm saying? We're giving out a lot of free game, free jams. So, you know, go ahead and show us some love, guys. But this is going to be Pull Up Tay on the outro. Until next time, folks. Peace. Sure. Bye. Suave. Suave. I've been in my bag for a while, I'm invincible Story of a young boss, grinding shit critical Calling on my bros one time, cause you special I had some hood dreams and right rounds for my mentor Every target that I shoot is on point like a pencil Different route, change relationships, I'm so sorry Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say hardly now. Thank you for listening to Believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show And giving us a 5 star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.